Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pastini is Eugene's new Italian bistro at Oakway Center. Dedicated to serving up two of life's greatest pleasures, pasta and wine. Join them for classic favorites like spaghetti and meatballs, linguine with clams and sausage, and fettuccine Alfredo paired with hand-selected Pacific Northwest and Italian wines. Pastini. Eat pasta. Drink wine. Welcome to the Duck Pod from DuckSports.com. Here's Ryan Thorburn and Austin Meek from the Register Guard Newsroom. Welcome to the Duck Pod. I'm Ryan Thorburn, joined by Austin Meek. We are getting ready for the Pac-12 opener for Oregon on Saturday against number 7 Stanford. All right, Austin, uh, the Cardinal is coming to town. Oregon's cupcake schedule is done. Um, This is a a huge matchup, obviously, and game day is coming to Eugene once again. It doesn't feel like the Ducks are back, but it kind of feels like the atmosphere might be on the way back finally. Yeah, I was trying to think. This is probably the biggest game at Autzen since. Uh, You definitely have to go back to 2015. Um Maybe even 2014. I don't know. Uh, it's a big game, and I'm I'm right there with you. That you know, I, I on the one hand, it's kind of tempting to say that boy, it feels like old times again. ESPN's back in town, going to be a full house for Stanford. Both teams rank, but I really think Oregon needs to win this game. You know, Oregon <laughs> needs to show that they're worthy of being back on this stage because what have they really done to get here other than beat three teams that they were favored to beat by 40 points? You're right. I mean, 2015, Vernon Adams had that great run towards the end of the season where they kind of bounced back. He got healthy. Uh, they beat USC here. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. uh, a fun game for Oregon fans. Certainly a big game. But uh, 2014 was the last time that they were mentioned as a contender. And I'm not saying that everyone thinks they're a contender, but if you win this game, all of a sudden you're in the mix in the North Division, which um, has Washington as the favorite, Stanford the defending champion, and Oregon this kind of unknown with a what we think is a great quarterback and an improving defense and a schedule set up to make some noise this year in Mario Cristobal's first season. Yeah, To me, it's all about which team is more prepared to play this game based on the schedule they've played so far. I think Oregon's non-conference schedule was good from the standpoint that they got to play a lot of guys. Uh, They got to really take a look at a lot of players. Uh, They didn't have to put Justin Herbert in harm's way uh, to a great extent. Uh, and they're 3-0, and and they should be really confident. You know, They should come in here feeling really good about themselves. On the other hand, Stanford has played a much more demanding schedule. They beat USC. They played a good San Diego State team. So they've seen a much, much higher level of competition. So does that mean that Stanford comes in here more prepared to play a game at this level 
for Oregon? Is there an adjustment period of going from San Jose State to Stanford, where for the first quarter of this game, Oregon's still getting its legs, uh, getting its legs underneath them? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, I do think that it was obvious watching Oregon's game against San Jose State that they need to be tested. They looked to me like a team that had played three straight teams that they were supposed to blow out of the water and just were ready to move on to the next thing. So now it's here. You get Stanford at home. Obviously a huge opportunity. I was trying to think in my mind on Sunday, what is the line for this game going to be? Because I think it's a pretty even matchup. And I thought Stanford would be like a five-and-a-half-point favorite, maybe a six-point favorite, mm-hmm. touchdown favorite. I mean, they are the defending North champions. They do have the Heisman runner-up. Uh, they did play a, a more challenging schedule. They do have David Shaw and all that continuity, uh, where, like we mentioned, Oregon is kind of a great unknown at this point. Um, but it's basically a pick 'em, or at least it was to start yeah. out. Mm-hmm. And that tells me that uh, the wise guys either think Oregon's coming on or maybe Stanford uh, is a little overrated because, uh, you know, they did handle USC, but then again, Texas embarrassed USC, and there's all kinds of problems right now uh, with USC and their freshman quarterback um, replacing Sam Darnold. So I think we'll learn everything on Saturday. I mean,. Not everything, but something tangible mm-hmm. uh, that we didn't learn against San Jose State. Yeah, I think when you cover a team, you're much more familiar with the flaws um, than when you're just kind of casually paying attention. You know, um, when, when you're kind of casually paying attention, you know the, who are the star players: Bryce Love and JJ or Sega Whiteside. You know, but when you really, when you're around the team every day, like you are, and it, you know, you, you see all the warts, and so. I, I think for you and I, we've watched Oregon in these three non-conference games, and we've seen that you know, the receiving core has some big question marks. The running game hasn't been dominant. They've given up some big plays. Um, it's easy to focus on that stuff when you're close to it. Maybe if you take a step back, you say, okay, Oregon's got Justin Herbert. They've got what appears to be a really strong defense, and that's why this game opens up as a, as a pick you know, rather than Stanford being favored. But, you know, I will say, I think, you know, if it's me, I would have probably made Stanford the three- to four-point favorite because I just – what I saw from Oregon in non-conference play, there were some, some things that I'd be worried about. And maybe all of those things take care of themselves when you're playing a team of this caliber. Maybe Oregon opens up the offense a little bit more. Maybe Stanford brings out the best in this team. Or maybe it's just the fact that, hey, Stanford's a flawed team too. We don't know necessarily what all those flaws are because we haven't been watching Stanford as closely as we've been watching Oregon. Uh, but we know that Stanford's offense has struggled at times this year. They did lose a lot on defense. So maybe Stanford is not necessarily just the you know the invincible team that it looks like if you're just looking at their their best players plus our last image of this game was 49-7 I believe yeah Um, Justin Herbert did not play but Bryce Love pretty much put up a a game's worth of Heisman numbers in the first quarter Um, the meeting before that uh, obviously a different defensive coordinator but I remember Christian McCaffrey having his way with Oregon and then Love coming in as a backup that we didn't know about and having his way with Oregon. So how much improved is Oregon's run defense? Because on paper, it's dramatically improved. And San Diego State, focusing on Bryce Love, shut him down and made uh, 
uh, Costello beat them through the air, and yeah. he did, to mm-hmm. his credit. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'll be interested to see if Jim Levitt's defense can hold Bryce Love in check and make it a battle of the passing games, and then you got to like Justin Herbert. Yeah, I am not expecting Bryce Love to just go run wild this week. I could be wrong, but I just have a feeling that Jim Levitt and this defense is going to have a plan to keep Bryce Love in check. And, you know, it's it's such a small sample size, but so far this year he hasn't been the dominant big play threat that he was last year, and maybe it's just a matter of time. Maybe this is the week that, that he has a game where he goes for 200 yards. I don't know. Uh, but I... I am expecting Oregon's defense to hold up pretty well against Bryce Love. I think my bigger question is almost, who guards J.J. Arcega-Whiteside for Oregon? Who can they put out there against him? Because he's he's a big guy, and they love to throw it up to him in the red zone. Um, he's a he's a big play threat for Stanford through the air. I and and we've seen in these first three games that it doesn't look like Oregon's afraid um, to play some single coverage and to leave guys kind of on an island. Can you do that against J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and say, hey, K.J. Costello, beat us down the field because we're not going to let Bryce Love win this game? I was thinking the exact same thing. It sounds crazy, but if I'm Oregon, I'm more concerned about Arcega-Whiteside than Bryce Love. Um, I caught part of the San Diego State game. As I mentioned, they focused everything on Bryce Love and basically threw jump balls yeah. to J.J., and he got you know all of them. Uh, <laughs> he did that to Oregon last year. Uh-huh. Um, you have Thomas Graham, who's not very tall. I talked to him today, and you know they say it's about you know leverage and technique and being physical at the line of scrimmage, but, I mean, man on man, he's not going to win the jump ball either. So It'll be interesting to see what their plan is in the red zone. When Stanford's in the red zone, they know that's coming, because I'm sure it is. And, uh, yeah, that's interesting. On, on the flip side, um, Oregon doesn't seem to have a receiver like that, at least not yet. Um, Brendan Schooler has been cleared to play. Um, he had went through concussion protocol. But which receiver is going to help Justin Herbert win the Heisman Trophy? Yeah, and especially when you get into playing a team like Stanford, you know, um, I haven't seen a ton of separation from Oregon's receivers in terms of being able to get open. Uh, I've seen too many passes that were catchable that weren't caught. You know, NFL caliber throws from Justin Herbert that maybe a guy gets a hand on but can't pull it in. Um, And so when you're going from San Jose State, which has one of the worst statistically past defenses in the country to play in Stanford, who is it that's going to step up and, and make those plays? And I'd throw out the same thing for Oregon's running backs. You know, we've been talking all season so far about this deep group of running backs, and they do. They have five or six guys that they can put out there. Uh, but now it's time to figure out, okay, who in this group do they really trust? Who's going to get the bulk of the carries? I mean, what do you think? Has, has Tony Brooks James done enough to make us think that, yeah, he's going to be the guy, and now in a game where it really counts, he's going to get 20 carries? Or are they still kind of looking for somebody to, to really establish themselves as that guy? Well, I think I said it last week, or I said it somewhere. I, I think it's going to be C.J. Verdell, and, and he was with the first-team offense during the portion of practice that we saw on Wednesday. Um, 
you know, last week he led the team in carries, led the team in receptions and all-purpose yards. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman who certainly looks the part, um, can certainly run between the tackles. I'm not saying Tony Brooks-James can't do that, but um, he's been so effective as a change-of-pace guy behind Royce Freeman that I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they go back to that. Now, Mario has said Tony's the starter, and they're going to keep rotating behind him. Um, clearly, uh, Cyrus Habibi Lakio is... Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Is the goal line back that has been established? Uh, four touchdowns on five carries, all right at the goal line. So um, I think those three, if they're going to pare it down, I think those are the three guys, and they each have their own different role. Well, you know it's a big game because ESPN's College Game Day is in town. We caught up with Drew Gallagher. He's a producer of College Game Day. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with our interview with Drew Gallagher of ESPN. All right, we're joined now by Drew Gallagher. He's the coordinating producer for College Game Day. College Game Day is going to be back in Eugene on Saturday. We're all excited about that. Drew, thanks for joining us. Um, it it seems like putting together this show every week and taking it on the road has to be a, a pretty big endeavor. We're taping this on, on Wednesday afternoon. So tell me a little bit about uh, what you're doing right now and just what the week is like leading up to the show to get ready to tape things on Saturday morning. Yeah, Austin, it, it's a huge endeavor. And lucky for us, we have an unbelievable team of technical folks, production folks, on-air folks who all of this now is like second nature for them. You know, we take this traveling circus all around the country every week and the logistics involved would blow your mind, but um I think over time, you know, since the show first started going on the road back in 1993, it's evolved little by little and grown little by little where to the point where you know, I don't think we even sort of notice how big it is. It's, just, it's, it's happened so gradually over time. But, um, you know, to take the show from TCU last week all the way across country, you know, it's the same set, the same TV trucks and everything travel week to week. I think it's seven trucks we take from site to site. So, you know, through the Rockies all the way up to the Pacific Northwest, uh, it's quite a haul. So that, that team, I think, rolled into town today. Um, trucks probably are getting there as we are taping this right now on Wednesday, and uh, I'm here back in Bristol at the uh, the home office of ESPN with, with a lot of our production folks, just trying to iron out the show, and then uh, and then we'll travel out Thursday, Friday, and, and get ready to have some fun on site. Yeah. So going into Saturday, Stanford's in the top 10, Oregon's in the top 20, Stanford's playing UC Davis, Oregon's playing San Jose State, so probably assuming those two teams are going to win. So were you pretty much locked into this site as long as those two teams won, or were you watching some other games on Saturday and considering some other possibilities? <laughs> so I'll just give you a peek into my world week to week. So Saturday, uh, you know, we actually I, – I did not stay for the TCU-Ohio State game. I was able to get back home by about 5 o'clock on the East Coast. And mm. 
my wife is a Buckeye, a big, huge Buckeye fan, was watching <laughs> the TCU game, and she's, she's gearing up for that game. She's wondering why I'm checking the ESPN app so often, and it's because San Jose State's starting to put some points on the board, and I'm starting to sweat it out a little bit at the end of that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm, I think it was, that, you know, I think we were waiting for some of those outcomes to fully happen, but we had this game sort of pegged, I think, a few weeks ago. Once, once A&M lost to Clemson, I think this game really stood out as being the game this week. Mm-hmm. Do you guys like coming out here to the West Coast? Uh, is it is it a challenge? You know, you got to start the show so early when you're taping it on the West Coast. Um, what what are your feelings about getting out here to the West Coast and Eugene in particular? This this will be the tenth time you guys are are uh, taping it here. So what what's been your experience when you come out to Eugene? Austin, we love Eugene. Like it is one of our favorite spots on the whole tour. Because it's such a different vibe, like from the moment you land there. Um, I don't know what it is, but it just, it, it just, it's special for game day. I think, I mean, a lot of it has to do with the 6 a.m. local start time and just the weirdness that ensues from that. Like, we're not used to, um, you know, rolling out of the rack at 2.30 in the morning to do this show. But the times I've had to do that out there, you, you roll out with a little jump in your step, and then you get there, it's 3 in the morning, and you, you get onto the, the quad there, and, then, and it's already rocking. And, and then the sun comes up as the show's going on, and the duck is rolling around doing his thing, and, and they play and for three hours in Eugene. Every time we go there, it's, just, it's nonstop energy. And I think that's a place that you know, early on, I don't know when the last, the first time we went there, but uh, you know, especially in the mid 2000s when it was a regular spot, you know, you know, Chris Fowler, Lee Corso, Kirk Herbstreit really embraced Eugene, and it really became a, a big part of the college game day fabric um, during that time. And I don't think that's going away, and we are, we could not be more excited to be coming out there. You know, it's been four or five years since we've been there, and uh, it's going to be great. Yeah. So I think the first time you guys were here uh, was in 2000, and I actually was surprised. I was looking at the history of the show this week, and you guys have been doing this live since 1993. So that's that's a long run for a show like this. What what do you think has given College Game Day its staying power to all these years later still be uh, such a kind of a touchstone in terms of, of college football coverage? Oh, my God. How much time do you have? <laughs> um, I, you know, it, College Game Day – it's it's almost like a flame that's been burning, like you say, for you know for 25 years since we first since the first show first uh, did the road show at Notre Dame, and you know I haven't certainly been on the show that whole time, and and but although there are members of our crew who have, but it's just sort of um, the show is bigger than everything else, and it's the authenticity of the show. I think that has been, remained a constant throughout that whole time, and everyone who works on the show on air or behind the scenes truly living and breathing the sport but also wanting to have like wanting to have like a fun spirit along with that um i think that has sort of remained a constant throughout the whole time i think people like chris fowler reese davis lee fitting who produced the show for years and years and years um they, they've done a great job at maintaining that spirit throughout this entire run. Lee Corso more than anyone else, and of course Herbie. So we, we all sort of do a good job of kind of making sure that that spirit stays alive, and, and, and we never sort of take that for granted. Yeah. So you guys are going through the week. You're talking about story angles for the show. 
What what do you see as interesting about this Oregon team? They got Justin Herbert, who's the hometown kid playing quarterback. Mario Cristobal has got a, a really unique story in how he got to where he is. Uh, without giving away the stuff you have planned, what what do you see as the really interesting storylines that you guys are going to be following with this Oregon team? Yeah, I think you hit on it there a little bit. You know, especially you know with Justin and uh, the hometown angle. Um, I think we're definitely going to be touching on that somewhat. Um, I think most of all, just when you look at this team, um, what do we know about them right now? And this is going to be that game where I think the entire country is going to find out, you know, what are these ducks all about? Um, And so I think it being their first real big test, and that test coming at Autzen um, is certainly a big storyline. And of course, you know, three coaches in three years and what is Mario going to be bringing to this uh, to this team that's going to be different? Uh, we're looking to find out all that stuff. Yeah. So you also oversee ESPN's college football studio programming. I'm curious what it was like for you last year working with Chip Kelly because we covered Chip and Eugene. Uh, obviously, now he's he's back in coaching at UCLA. I'll admit, when I heard Chip was going to ESPN to be in the studio, I was thinking. You know, he never seemed like a guy who really enjoyed dealing with the media or had a lot to say. What did you think of how he did in that one year in that role, and and what was it like working with him? I didn't work a ton with him, uh, you know, know, on on, on the daily show side, although I did work with him uh, in some of our seminars, and, and, you know, I'd see him in Bristol from time to time. I'll Mm -hmm. tell you this, he really embraced it. Um, I think... One thing you'll find with Chip is that anything he does, he's going to be all in with it. So um, he really bought into the chemistry with the guys, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, that he watched the games all day with the guys. He was really a part of the team. Uh, I think by the end of the season, that was like a really cohesive group. Um, And we really grew, you know, to really value Chip and, and, and loved having him on the set, loved having him on all our shows. We're kind of bummed when he left because he was. I think he was just really starting to get his uh, his feet under him there. So yeah, um, yeah, liked having him here. Yeah. Okay. So last thing here, one of the I guess iconic things people associate with college game day in Eugene is Lee Corso putting on the duck head. He does that basically every time. I was I was reading back this week. I actually I I had not heard this story before. But so you guys were in Corvallis a few years ago, uh, and the duck head actually got stolen. <laughs> Do you remember that? Have you heard that story? I've heard the story. I, I wasn't working on the road at that time when that happened. Okay. So right. you'd have to ask Lee about that one, and I would highly yeah. recommend it because uh. he'll have the story down pat, I'm sure. Yes. He'll probably stand up and get out of his chair and, <laughs> and get really physical with it, too. But, you know, Coach, his relationship with the Duck is a very special relationship. <laughs> he he holds the Duck very close to his heart. Uh, they're almost like family. I think he would he would say that they are family. Um, we love the Duck. The Duck... Again, another part of game day coming to Eugene that we'll... Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
that we really look forward to. And the, the best part about the duck is, like, you, you really don't even have to script anything for him. Like, you just kind of get him out there, and he's, he's so... He's so perfect and spontaneous on his own. You know, nothing staged, but it's always hilarious. It's it's great. Yeah, cool. Well, hey man, thanks for taking a little bit of time here and giving us a peek behind the curtain. And uh, we'll be watching the show on Saturday. Have a good trip out here. And yeah, thanks for your time. Thanks a lot. Look forward to seeing everyone bright and early Saturday. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks, Drew. All right, Austin, uh, full disclosure, I was waiting for ducks to stop lifting weights after practice, and I missed... A lot of, a lot of lifting happening. I missed uh, the interview opportunity with uh, Mr. Gallagher. Can you kind of s- surmise what what do you think it means to have game day coming to Eugene? It's been a little while. Um, I know when they show up at a town they, they that they haven't been to before, it's really exciting for that fan base do you sense that at oregon now or is it just old hat and and welcome back kirk and company yeah i'm curious because actually the first oregon football game that i covered was 2013 when they played ucla and game day was in town and i remember going out there that morning because uh, i was new on the job and just getting a sense of things so i went out and i watched it that morning and people were really excited for it and it was a fun thing they were back the next year when Oregon played Michigan State. I didn't go to it that time. I, I kind of, I, I think I jogged by it that morning, uh, and it seemed, you know, a little more, uh, a little more muted. I think it's been long enough. It's been four years now since they've been here, and so I, I do think that there's a little excitement coming back because it hasn't been like an every year thing. You know, there for a while it was like an annual thing to have game day in town, and now it's been a few years, and Oregon hasn't really been on the national map. So I, I think there's a little more excitement for it this time. Uh, and like we were talking about earlier, I think I think. If Oregon wins this game, people are going to be lining up to say, oh, Oregon's back now. And the flip side of that is if Oregon loses this game, I think they may fall off the radar really fast because they're right on the edge now. You know, they're ranked number 20. If they lose this game at home, probably fall out of the top 25. Uh, So it feels like a really important spot where if Oregon wants to be part of the national conversation this year, this is your chance. Go out and win this game, and then there's a good chance people will be talking about Oregon the rest of the year. So uh, why don't we put our Lee Corso mascot (laughs) heads on. Um, Who do you think is going to win this game? Well, I I don't have a cardinal head sitting next to me but if i did i think i'm gonna pick stanford you know i've 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 been kind of on the fence about it but i think it'll be a game that probably is going to come down to the fourth quarter i don't expect either team just to run away with it but i'm gonna i'm gonna lean towards stanford i'm gonna take stanford 27 24 just because we've seen more from stanford at this point than we've seen from oregon well that is uh Interesting, <laughs> and that's what I was thinking during the San Jose State game. Is okay. Stanford is going <laughs> to have no problem. Um, they're from the Bay Area too, with a little better talent level than San Jose State. But now that I've kind of digested that game, I don't. I think that Oregon was, no matter what they say, going through the motions a little bit. Yeah, I don't think their running game was creative. It was shut down. Um, you know. It's interesting because Mario mentioned that the fact that Herbert, they're not running him, and the fact that San Jose State brought an extra man down, it was it was kind of designed for a few negative plays there. So it'll be interesting to see what, how they tweak that against Stanford and get the running game going. Um, 
So uh, I'm going to go the other way, which is really bad news for Oregon. I'm going to pick the Ducks, 27-24. Um, I'm currently in last place in picks, so I've either doomed the Ducks or this is where everything turns around in Pac-12 play. I think uh, these are very evenly matched teams. I think Oregon has the better quarterback and the home field advantage, and they're just so thirsty to be back in, in the hunt again. I think they're going to get this one. And, uh, you know, that'll definitely put them in the national spotlight for a while. So uh, uh, let's say 27-24 Oregon. You have 27-24 Stanford. And we will see what happens on Saturday. Yeah. Well, I think we all can agree that it's time. Let's let's get to the real stuff. Uh, it's These last three weeks, you kind of felt like you were just biding your time. But uh, I think this is going to be a good game, and I think everybody's going to be ready for it. So thanks for checking out the Duck Pod. We'll be back next week to break down everything that happened and look ahead to Cal. Till then, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Duck Pod from DuckSports.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And always available at DuckSports.com. 